was going to continue preaching on the Holy Spirit this morning. If you weren't here last week and you didn't hear that message last Sunday, you need to go back and you need to listen to it. Also, Wednesday night was a great message about are you thirsty? And uh, I really believe the Lord's trying to prepare us. He's trying to do something within our lives and our hearts so that we can be everything that He wants us to be. Amen? How many of y'all want to be everything Jesus wants you to be? Okay, so... I was all prepared, and I was going down this morning. I was going to preach on the power of God and how God wants to flow through you and all this kind of stuff. And the Holy Spirit stopped and said, no, can't go there yet. And I said, well, all right, what am I going to do? I kind of like it when I know ahead what I'm going to do. You know, I hate to wait until the very end, but sometimes the Lord does that to me. You know, he just kind of won't tell me. He said, just hold on, just, just keep praying, just hold on, and then all of a sudden he'll lay it on me. And so... He laid this message on my heart, and I was like, Lord, this is, at first when, I, when I, I thought, this is, I don't want to preach this. I said to the Lord, I said, I don't want to preach this. I don't want to go up this morning and do this. This is no fun. I, 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 want, I want a, a rah-rah message. I want, I want something, you know, something better, Lord. Come on. And then the Lord began to reveal to me what he was sharing, because, you know, God's word's always like that. You know, sometimes when God speaks to you and he says something to you, He's not saying it to you to try to keep something from you. He's trying to get you to move into a new area so he can bless you more. So sometimes that causes you to be stretched or uncomfortable. Hello? I mean, there's not very many of you here that were ever here at the very first of Living Waters Church. But if you watch my wife up here playing the, the piano, you should have seen her in the very first in 1985, sitting behind an upright piano, turned so that no one could see her because she did not want to play and she didn't want to do it. And she would only play by music and she wouldn't venture into any other areas. And we had to do it. It was very, you know, it was strenuous to her. It strained her. It stretched her. And then finally one day she said, okay, God, whatever you want to do. And God developed her and her whole style of music to play. Well, it, it came through pain. Right? I mean, it, I mean, she could have just not done it. But then we wouldn't have been blessed. So every time God's telling you something in life, it doesn't mean that he's taking something from you. What he's trying to do is move you into a new arena so you can be more blessed. Right? So you got to take that mindset this morning as I go through this message. God's trying to move us into a new arena, a new understanding, a new opening of the things of God so that he can truly work in us and move in us. Amen? Okay. So the title of this message is Humble Yourself. So, I mean, right there, <clears throat> nobody likes to listen to that. But the title of the message is Humble Yourself. Okay, but let's look what it says. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, you younger people submit yourselves to the elders yes all you be submissive submissive to one another and be clothed with humility for God resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time hear what that says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God why so that he can then exalt you in due time casting your care upon him for he cares for you so when you read that yes there's the word humble but if you say well 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 I don't know what that means because you see folks all of us in life and I have to look at you you awesome people here this morning in the sanctuary and those that are watching somebody may be watching the broadcast this morning just came randomly across the broadcast never been in a service before but if there's tuned into the broadcast this morning because you wanted to hear the message. Well, you're either really hungry 
Are you crazy? And I'll take either one. Because I can do something with a crazy person. Because at least a crazy person is wanting to go somewhere, okay? Wanting to do something. But, you know, we're hungry people this morning sitting in church. You came in here to church today. You came here today because you're wanting to learn. You're wanting to grow. You're wanting to be in the presence of God. I, I pray. I pray that's the attitude of your heart this morning. I hope somebody didn't hold a gun to your head to get you here, right? Threaten you. Well, I, you're not going to do it if you don't come. But even if you're here because of that reason, God will still bless you. But he says, if you humble yourselves, okay, but then what happens is he exalts you and all your cares are taken care of. So when I hear that, I'm like, okay, I want to understand humility. Now, because of all of us in different ways, we've all been somewhere or another taught whether it's taught by your environment or taught by literally somebody teaching you, of what we think humble is. Some people think to be humble is just to be poor. You don't have anything. Okay? And that's wrong. And so today I'm going to show you some things about humility. But let me show you some other scriptures first. Go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. Jesus himself humbled, was, was humbled himself. It says in Philippians 2 and 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. So what does it mean to be humble? Jesus, it says, humbled himself. All right? Here's Jesus, the Son of God, there when the world was created. He didn't just come about. He was there when the world was created. He humbled himself and came being born as a man on this earth with the purpose of going to the cross and dying for me and you. When he was in the garden and, and, and Peter whips out his sword and whoosh, cuts the guy's ear off, Jesus said, you know, stop. And he said, don't you think right now I could call 12 legions of angels and we'd just wipe them out? If it was a Roman legion that day, 12 legions of angels would have been out 72,000, 75,000 angels. One angel in the Old Testament killed 185,000 Assyrians. So what do you think that many angels could have done? 72,000 angels, everybody killing 200,000 people apiece? Could have wiped out the world like that. Hello? Jesus said, I have that power at my hand. Think about this. He said, I have that power at my hand. If I said now, whoosh. Everybody's head rolls. But he said, I don't use it. I'm putting it down. I'm humbling myself. I'm making it, the word humble in this, in this uh, scripture, it means to make low or assign a lower rank. Okay? In other words, you just said, no, I have the power to do it, but I'm going to put it down. I'm going to set it down in order to be exalted and do what God wanted me to do. So Jesus gave us the example, all right? But now let me show you another story. Go to Luke 18.10. This is one of my favorite stories that Jesus gave, a parable in the, in the Scriptures. Luke 18.10. It says, two men went to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee, the other's a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. 
I fast twice a week. Look what he says here. These works that he does. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and everyone who humbles himself will be exalted. So humility all has to do with the heart, not the action. Because this this Pharisee said, hey man, I'm fasting, I'm tithing, I'm giving all, I'm doing all this stuff. Look at me. There's the key. Look at me. So you can go and think you're humble before God and you can do all your religious rites you want to do. You can go to church every time the door opens. You You can pay your tithe, you can fast, you can do all the things just like the Pharisee, but still not be humble before God. So what is humility? Just think about this for a minute. What does it really mean to be humble before God? The other guy, he doesn't know, come here from Sikkim about nothing about religion, obviously. He's just beating his breast. <laughs> God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What did he do with his heart? At that moment, what he did was he said, God, I don't have a chance. I don't have a snowball's chance in hell of making it. I am not going to make it. And he fell And made himself in a lower position. He fell on his face, if you would let me say. He fell right on his face and said, God, I I, I can't do anything. And Jesus said, that guy was justified rather than the other one. So humility has to do with the heart, not your actions. Look at the person beside you and say, that's good. So being poor doesn't mean you're humble. You can be poor and full of pride. You say, well, I don't understand. No, because I want to show you just a minute. You can be poor as a snake and still be full of pride. Or you can be rich as a king and full of pride. Or rich as a king and humble. It all has to do with your heart. Okay. Now, I told you all last week that the Holy Spirit is God. Right? Did y'all catch that last week? He's not just Casper the Friendly Ghost with you. He is God Almighty with you. All right. So, let's put this, let me, let me just put this in a, uh, an example here, okay? Let's say you, you needed a job, and, uh, Okay, I'll just pick, I'll pick on Zach back here, all right? Uh, okay, so Zach, Chad, water well, drilling, drilling wells, okay? And I go to work for them. Let's say they don't know me. I go to work for them, and I'm in the company down there, and they're going out to drill a well. And I go out there my very first day on the job. I don't know anything about drilling wells, and I begin to tell them how they should drill a well. Based on my experience from digging post holes. It's close to a well, not just not as big around, not as deep, right? I dug a hole in the ground once, and so I think I know, and I'm over there telling them, well, I think this is what you should do. 
What do you think is going to happen? I can tell you what's going to happen. They're going to fire me or put a knot on top of my head, right? Because I don't have the experience. I don't have the knowledge to do this. Would that all be reasonable? They're not unfair. They would be sitting there saying, Robert, you don't know what you're talking about. Just because you dug a post hole does not make you a well driller. Right? That's reasonable. Oh, okay. So we want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, or we want God to be with us through the Holy Spirit. So we want the Almighty Creator, God, to be with us and in us, and we're going to give Him advice. We're going to tell him what he should be doing for us. We're going to walk. Listen to this. I mean, I feel like right now, honestly, I'm, I'm not joking about this, but I feel like when I say this, I should fall on my knees when I say this because we, we would doubt him that he's going to do anything, that we would be standing there so arrogant, so prideful, that we're turning to Almighty God and said, ah, you can't pull this off. Because we walk in doubt and unbelief. I'm going to show you this morning that every time you've doubted God, it's because of pride in your heart. You say, well, I don't like that, Pastor. <laughs> I'm trying to get you to a place of exaltation. I'm trying to help you here this morning. I'm not trying to beat you up. See, if I was a pastor that just beat you up, just beat you with a stick, and you didn't even know why, well, I wouldn't be any good. But if I beat you and then show you the place of exaltation, then I'm a good guy. So I'm a good guy. But listen to me. Do you realize that the Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, and all therein is filling you and being with you, and Jesus said he's going to be your guide, he's going to be your comforter, yet we have the audacity to stand there and argue with him like we know what we're talking about. That's a whole lot worse than me trying to tell them how to drill a well. He's God. And he wants to work with you and through you, but he can't unless you humble yourself. Because you're not in charge, he is. Humility puts us in the correct position to walk with God. That's what it does. And you know where the correct position is? On your face. Now, you see, here's where it gets hard because we men... When I, let me put it this way. We humans, because it don't make any difference if you're a man or woman, we tend to educate ourselves, and the more we educate ourselves and the more we grow, the smarter we think we are. So then we believe, begin to believe that we understand and know what's going on. So whatever field you're working in, you know, if you're a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, a, a, a well driller, don't make no difference. You start to learn and you start to get into this place. So the more you grow, the more you know, the more knowledge you get, the more you start to think that you're kind of in charge of what's going on. Right? 
So, I mean, there's people today, greatly skilled doctors who can do amazing brain surgeries, we'll say, and do that, and, and you don't want me to do that. Right? You don't want to call me in and say, hey, the doc couldn't get in today, and we thought maybe you'd like to try this. No. Right? I, then I would be humbled and say, oh, I can't do that. But if I was the number two qualified doctor, then what would I say? Oh, yeah, I'd love to have a shot at that. So it doesn't really make any difference what you're doing. If you're a mule skinner, hello? I guess there's still a mule skinner somewhere. But if you're a mule skinner, it don't make no difference. You, after a while, believe that you're the best mule skinner there ever could be. And you cannot, anybody look at that and say, well, you're a mule skinner. You're not the brain surgeon. Don't make no difference. He can still get pride in himself as a mule skinner, the same as the surgeon that can only one that can do this can get pride. This is what I'm trying to show you this morning. It doesn't make any difference where you are. Humility is not just saying, well, I'm, I'm, not, well, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm not. Uh, no, 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 no. Because you can be doing anything. I don't care if you just think you can cook the best hamburger. Humility means you take whoever you are and whatever your skill is, whatever you talent you have, whatever you have, and you lay it down and submit it before Almighty God and put it on your face and say, Lord, it's only you. I can't do anything without you. But what we tend to do is say, Lord, I can't do this without you. I can come close to doing that. So then we parent by our flesh. We try to live our marriages by our flesh. We try to be respectable citizens by our flesh. Rather than submitting it all to the God and becoming walk, learning what true humility is, walking under the humility of God so that he can exalt us and letting him do it. Go to John 15, 5. See, you can be, you can get saved, truly saved. Get your heart right before God. You know you're right with God. You can get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, that the manifestation of the Spirit was given to everyone so that you're able to operate in all the gifts of God. And you can get a desire to go into the, a foreign land and, and start big missions or, or build churches or do whatever. But the truth of the matter is, is you really need to know where your heart is because that could all just be pride in your heart pushing everything, even though it looks good on the outside. John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Whenever we come to the place in life that we understand, we can do nothing without Jesus. We're starting to understand what humility is. He's the vine. The juice is in the vine. You're just the branch. You get broken off, you're going to die. You know, there's some of these plants in the plant world you can break off, you know, the, 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 the branch and you can stick it in the ground and it'll start growing. That ain't what he's talking about. He's talking about you broken off, you're going to die. So you need to get this scripture as one of your memorization scriptures 
etched in your heart that you know, Lord, I can't do anything without you. You're the vine, I'm just a branch. You need to get that down on the inside. If you truly want to walk with God, if you truly want to see the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and God walking with you, Almighty God, you need to understand He has to be first. He has the answer. He is the yes and the amen. He is the alpha, the omega. He is the one who knows the end from the beginning. Not you. Oh, man, we Christians, we think we're so smart. We think we're so smart. We get... We get uh, men, we, women, whatever, we take them up, we train them, we put them in seminaries, we teach them all this stuff. They start coming up with all this. They read this other book. They read that book. They get all, they get all smart and everything. They think they know everything. When truly the best, the best would be to fall on their faces, cry out to God and say, God, I don't know nothing. Would you please come teach? In the early church, that's what they did. In the early church, they fell on their faces and prayed until God moved because they were too scared to do anything else. Nowadays, we just get a little group of people together and what do y'all think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, yeah, okay. Come up with all kinds of stuff. But look at this. Go to Philippians 4.13. These two scriptures are parallel to each other. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, so John 15.5 says you can't do anything without him, but Philippians 4.13 says with him you can do all things. Right? Okay. Now I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. So now, before I go on, have I got at least you a little bit interested in humility and what it really means to be humble? Okay? Because, see, being humble doesn't mean you just, you just get run over. Luke, Luke 10, Jesus said, Behold, I give you authority over servants of scorpions and over every power of the enemy. So, wait a minute. As a Christian, you're supposed to be not raising hell, you're supposed to be getting rid of hell. Hello? As a Christian, you're supposed to be a strong person. You're supposed to stand against the enemy. But you're supposed to be humbled in your relationship towards God. Being humble does not mean weak. Hear what I'm saying. Being humble doesn't mean weak. Being humble means that you're submitted, your heart, on your face and realize that, God, you are God, and it's not me. And I humble myself before you so that you can work through me. So what do you want me to do? That's humble, right? Humble's not just everybody telling you what to do and pushing you around and, and running over you. Got me? Okay, so now I want to give you two keys to help you in life that... Um, can help you walk in humbleness. One of them, you're going to say, okay, I know that. It's good. Second one, you're not going to like so much. Matthew 6, 5. I like to prepare you. I don't want to just set you up and then, you know, throw cold water on you. Matthew 6, 5. Jesus says, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. 
for they love to stand praying in the synagogue and in the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Now, do you realize that is not humble? Right? In other words, they're praying to be seen. So they're doing an act which is needed. It's correct. Praying. Right? But they're doing it to be seen by men. Pride's in their heart. They're not being humble. For they love to stand, pray in the synagogue, and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Surely I say to you that they have their reward. But when you pray, go to your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who's in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Now, there's two keys I want you to see here. Look back at verse 6, I mean verse 5. And when you pray, you see that? And then if you look down into, uh, I think it's verse 7. But when you pray, go into your room. You notice both two times there he said, when you pray. So Jesus didn't say, go and pray. He says, when you pray. So. I mean, doesn't that make sense that that he has expected that of, a, of us? If you say, when you pray, so he just expects you praying. Right? If you said, I'm going to go to the store later, I say, hey, when you go to the store, because I know she said they're going to the store. Right? So twice here, Jesus says, and when you pray. So Jesus never even stopped. The disciples ask him in this, ver- in this chapter, How do we pray? But they weren't asking him, should we pray? It's expected of Christians that they pray. Christians pray. Everybody say Christians pray. All right. So just think about this. So then the disciples said, okay, well, how do we pray? So he gave them the Lord's Prayer. All right. Which is not necessarily a prayer to be prayed, but an outline of a prayer format. But talking to God, I'm just going to change prayer to talking with God. Talking to God, Jesus is expecting it. Jesus is expecting you to talk to him. Right? Not tell him how to do something, but talk to him. If you're, if you're you know, if you're doing something, and you stop and you have your partner with you and you say, well, okay, now how do we want to tackle this? And you'll talk it over. That's prayer. But it's you and God. You're up in the morning. You're talking to God. Lord, man, I got a busy day today. I got to go this place, this place, this place, and this place. What would you want me to do? Would you show me where you need? I need favor over here, Lord, but I just want to, I want to walk with you, and you show me what I need to be doing, and this is what I'm supposed to do, but I, I, I'm, I'm submitted myself to you. You order my steps, and you prepare my way. You make all the crooked paths straight, Lord. However the day works out is fine with me. I just want you with me. I just want to be with you, Lord. I just think you're just talking to God, right? Okay, so... In your talking to God, you're humbling yourself because you're asking Him and submitting yourself to Him. You follow me. That's what prayer is. And prayer brings you into a place of humbleness unless you're religious. And see, this is where this message gets hard. 
Because if you're a religious person, you're going to then think that by your act of praying, God then has to do something. And the key was your heart was wrong to start out with. Who are you to tell God what he should do? If Jesus never blessed me, I'm still going to serve him because I believe he's the son of God. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe the evidence is there. I believe what he's done in my life and he's touched my life and changed my life. And whether anything good ever came about from it, I'm still going to serve him because I believe he's the son of God. And I believe he made a way where there was no way. But if you're serving Jesus because you want him to be your servant. See, and you're going through religious things like this story that I read in Luke 18 where the Pharisees saying, you know, I'm not like these other guys. I give, I fast, I do all this stuff. Well, see, that's just religion working in you. And the root of that is pride. The root of it is pride. You think you're smarter than God. And how foolish we are to ever get there. But we do. I have caught myself praying, trying to get God to move in a situation and getting my scriptures lined up where I, it's like I've, I've, I, I, like I've been in court and I've argued the case before the jury, and so God has to do something. Y'all ever been there? Come on, just be honest with me. Raise your hand if you ever thought about that. Yeah, yeah. We want to get God into that place, so then he has to move. And then in the middle of my... You know, my discourse to the jury. The Holy Ghost steps in the room and I'm like, oh, God, what have I done? And then I just go to my face. I go to repenting. Father, I'm sorry. My mind, my flesh. It's all getting in here. Forgive me. I repent. He's like, that's okay. Get up. At least you you were trying. Okay, so let's go on down in this same chapter, Matthew 6. Go to verse 16. I want to give you the second one. So the first key to getting humble is prayer. you got to be talking to God. The second one you're going to find a little funny. Matthew 6, 16. Moreover, when you fast. Oh, I said that dirty word. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Do you realize that he used fasting here in the same way that he used prayer? He said, when you pray, and he said, and when you fast, he said it twice in both instances. Go to Psalms 35, 13. Psalms 35, 13. But as for me, this is David speaking. But as for me, when they were sick, my my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fastings, and my prayer would return to my own heart. He humbled himself with fastings. Go look at Daniel. Chapter 9, verse 3. Daniel 9, 3. 
Daniel says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Let me give you another one. Book of Jonah. You know, Jonah was this, this prophet who God told him to go to Nineveh, and he didn't want to go because he said, I'm just going to go over there and tell them, and then they're going to repent. Because he really wanted to see all of Nineveh, Nineveh destroyed. And so you know how the story goes and ends up in the belly of a whale and spit out on the land and decides to go. And so the king of Nineveh hears Jonah preaching. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast, put on sackcloth and ashes from the greatest to the least of them. In other words, they put on, they began to call a, a corporate fast for the whole city to fast, humble themselves before God. And the whole city was delivered. So let me tell you about this ugly thing called fasting. Fasting, what it does, what David said, it it causes his soul to be humbled. Listen to me. Pride is rooted in our souls. It's not in your spirit. Your spirit man has been reborn. It's rooted in our souls, which ends up in our mind, our will, and our emotions. And most Christians are living their lives by their mind, their will, and their emotions. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, I think you're talking about me. We live our lives in our mind, our will, and our emotions. It's what do we want, when do we want it, and how do we want it, right? And so pride's rooted in, in, the, in the soul. So fasting, the denial of your body of what it wants produces a result that makes your soul humble itself before God. You say, no, it doesn't, Pastor. It just makes me hungry. Okay, well, let me show you this. Now, let me, under- let me just stop right now for just a second and show you something. There's a difference between pride and arrogance. Think about this. Arrogance is that you think you're better than someone else because of your ability. Maybe your ability or your availability, right? You're wealthier than somebody else, and so you think you're better than they are. That's where arrogance comes from. But pride is what you have determined is right based upon what makes you comfortable. See, whenever God wants us to do something for him and it's going to stretch us, it's pride that rises up within us that I don't want to do this. It's going to make me uncomfortable. I might get embarrassed. I might look foolish. I might trip. I might, uh, someone might laugh at me. Someone might look at my body and think I'm, I'm ugly. Somebody might judge me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go out. I don't want to step out. That is pride that's down inside of your soul that keeps you from being who God wants you to be. Boy, I mean, y'all just want to jump up and go, rah, rah, don't you? And it's located in your soul. And the only thing that's going to get that out of there is you have to humble your soul. And the only way to humble your soul is to bring your soul in subjection to your spirit. 
Hear what I'm saying? Your, your spirit man is a born-again you, and he wants to rule. He's empowered with the Holy Spirit and has a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and he wants to rule. But if this flesh man, you know, or soul man, is in the way, then the spirit man can't operate because the soul's going to call the shots. And the only way to bring it under subjection, according to David, according to Daniel, according to Job, according to Jesus, is you fast. And then your body says, wait a minute, I want to eat. Okay, now here we got another problem. Okay? So I give you this and I tell but now there's a big move out there about called intermittent, intermittent fasting for health reasons. So people say, oh, yeah, I'm fasting. Well, now, now let's think about this. Now you can be intermittent fasting because you're on a diet. And you're just trying to get yourself all right. And then you can let pride get in your heart and say, well, I fast every day. Pharisee. I don't need to fast, Pastor. I have brought my body under subjection. I intermediate fast. No, but the reason why you're doing it is wrong. You're not doing it to get closer to God. You're doing it to either lose weight or get your blood sugars right or get your body's metabolism working right or whatever it's going to do for you, right? I'm not saying there's anything wrong with intermittent fasting, right? I'm not, I'm not arguing that point. I'm arguing the point of the heart. And I'm talking about getting your soul and the crazy part of you that wants your mind, your will, and your emotions that is in rebellion because of pride against God. How about this? Come on now. Come on now. Listen to me. I can get y'all so much on this. I'm being so nice. I'm being so easy. I remember going to a church. You know, the first time I went to any kind of a charismatic type church, and I remember the pastor said, you know, uh, stand up and lift your hands for the Lord. And I'm like, I ain't lifting my hands. That's kind of weird. I, wasn't, I was raised in a church. My mama jabbed me every time when I was doing, you know, lifting, my, trying to get rowdy over there. And she's always telling me to be quiet. And I ain't going to lift my hands. I don't have to lift my hands. Then I got angry about it. I said, oh, ain't nobody going to make me lift my hands. I lift my hands. I won't lift my hands. You won't think you're going to get me to lift my hands. I come over, I lift my hands. I want, you know. And this is what I got. I got in this attitude. Because I just couldn't. And then I remember like feeling down inside of me that the Lord, I would see the scriptures and I'd hear them say, lift up holy hands into the Lord. And I'd think, you know, and I'd hear the preacher say, well, lifting up hands is like it's just showing a sign of your surrender to the Lord. And so, but I didn't want to do it. Hello? And then I would sit down there and I'd say, then so finally then one day I come to the, I come to the, at that waist What is all of that about? It's pride on the inside of me. I didn't want to do something that I thought I was going to look funny at. And then nobody was going to tell me to do it. Oh, where did that come from? Huh? I wasn't going to lift up my hands. So then we got, so then we go through those times. See, that's just pride within you. I'm just trying to show you we all have pride. We all deal with it. So then how am I going to get you baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, if you won't even lift your hands? How's God going to work through you and say, I want you to go over there and prophesy to that person and tell them that, I, that, that today is their day and I want you to pray for them? How are you going to even do that if you're so full of pride you can't lift your hands? Now, I'm not going to stand have you all all stand up and we'll do a hand raising here, but I'm just talking. I'm trying to tell you, we all have those issues. It's those, I'm trying to show you this morning, I don't care who you are and I don't care how long you've been serving God. It's those issues in life that stop the flow of God in our life. 
Now, let's just say you're, you're, you're emotional. You're a kind of person that's just looking to jump up and down, raise your hands, shout glory, hallelujah, and run around the building seven times because Joshua did. But you're just running because you want everybody to see you run. You're just running because... Maybe because you got some warp, warpness in you and you want to run because then, then you're running and they're not runners. So I'm better than you because I'm a runner and you're not a runner. You see what I'm saying? It's still pride. This thing gets real complicated. It's kind of like, you know, you're like an octopus with tentacles all over. As you start to try to pull it, there's no cut and dried in this thing. You can't say, oh, yes, I fast. So I'm, I'm right with God. Thank you. I'm humble. No, you have to look at your heart and you have to see, really, what is going on? If you're too scared to pray for your wife, you've got, you got pride. Wives, if you're too mad to pray for your husband, huh? you're too mad to pray for your husband, you got pride because you're telling God that you want to be mad and you don't want to have an answer. And so you're just telling God, you, you're you're going to hang on. It's pride. There will be people that will hear an altar call to give their hearts to Jesus, and their heart will say, I should go up and get saved. But there's too much pride for them to get up from their chair and walk to the front. Brother Ivan and I was talking to him yesterday. He's out in California preaching right now. We were talking about churches. What's going on in churches? What do you see? Because I let him be my eyes. He's all over the, the, the world. And, 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 and he says, well, Robert, he says, just... The truth of the matter is, he says, man, there's, there's some churches out there, people believe like you and I do, and they're going to preach a gospel, and they're going to they're give a good message and give it on. There's others that, you know, they just kind of, you know, they just kind of candy-coat it, and, and, and they're not really. And he said, I just feel such a need right now for souls to get saved. And I said, well, Ivan, I've been telling everybody that you're an idiot if you walk out of the building and don't come forward and get saved. He said, well, I don't think I've ever heard it put quite like that, but... <laughs> And I said, well, it's the truth. And he said, well, I know it's the truth, but, I mean, you could smooth it up a little, Rob. I said, no, I ain't going to candy coat it. Man, you're an idiot if you're going to walk out the doors and not know Jesus because you're going to let pride hold you in the seat. I'm scared somebody's going to see me. They're going to see I think I'm weak. You're full of pride. And you won't get saved and you'll go to hell and burn in hell forever. Ho! Ho! Because you were too prideful. I didn't want to go up. I thought somebody thought I'd look funny. Then you're an idiot. I'm sorry. He said, well, you shouldn't talk like that. But you are. Because you have let the spirit of pride keep you from eternal salvation. <clears throat> this is a whole total side note. But listen. The other day I got to thinking about this. Look, come on, folks. <coughs> Hell is eternal separation from God. And it talks about in Revelations... That it is an eternal lake of fire that people are cast into, but they don't burn up. Hear me, hear me, just think about this for a second. They don't burn up. So what's up with that? A natural body's going to get burned up in a lake of fire. Did y'all see that volcano over in Hawaii that was in all the lava that was coming down? See those pictures of that thing just going down this... Come around a tree, and that tree just then goes up like a match. 
Can you imagine? That's just a river of lava. But what an eternal lake of fire is, and you don't get burned up? Oh, so did you ever think about that when a person goes to hell, they would have an eternal body? They're going to have something different because they don't burn up. It ain't a natural body. Torment forever in hell. But there was too much. I didn't want to look funny in front of the church. I thought somebody might see me. thought it was kind of sissy, Nancy boy. Somebody might tease me. Call me a holy roller. Lift my hands. Dance my foot. Sing a song. Somebody might hear me. I don't sound, sing too good. That's pride, church. And it's pride that's going to take people to hell. It's pride that's going to keep people from Jesus. And when you get to hell and you look back at the stupid little imp that kept you from knowing Jesus because of pride, you'd have wished you fasted every day of your life. Do not let pride keep you from the blessings of God. So we have to bring it under subjection. All right? So let me show you something. 1 Corinthians 9.26. Not much longer, and y'all can all go debate whether you want to eat or not. <laughs> now nah, it's like, hey, I'll start on Monday. <laughs> Boy, I was going to eat peach pie today, too. Yeah, no. First Corinthians 9.26. Therefore I run thus, not as un- with uncertainty. Thus I fight not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest I have preached to others and I myself should become disqualified. Fasting is about getting your body disciplined. Getting your, your, your soul in the right place so it can be humbled before God. You say, well, I don't, you know, I don't know. Okay, let me just, get, let me just run this one by you. How many of you have ever decided you're going to lose some weight? And then no more did you decide you're going to lose some weight? Then you get the unbelievable urge to eat ice cream. You can hear it louder than the voice of Almighty God thundering from heaven. In the icebox calling, come to me. All you who are weary, and I will give you rest. That's what it says. It takes the whole scripture, turns it around. You know, devil use scripture. Come on, devil use scripture on Jesus. He'll use scripture on you. This will help you. This is comfort food. Jesus said, behold, I'm going to send the, whole, the comforter to you. And what do we call it? Comfort food. Wow, if that's not the opposite direction of the Holy Ghost, when Paul says we've got to bring our bodies under subjection. So if you don't think you have to bring your body under subjection, then just ask yourself the question, do you hear the voice of the ice cream calling? You're going to exercise. Oh, it's too wet. It's too windy. 
Allergies are out. The, a psalm flying through. Allergens. Come up. Get my nose. Every excuse starts to come up. Why? Because your body has not been brought under subjection. When you come to the revelation that your body, this tent, this earth suit you live in, is nothing more than to house your spirit and to carry your spirit through this life until your appointed time that God pulls his breath back and you go to heaven, you are not in their subjection because your body is ruling. That's the only way to look at it. You eat for nourishment to keep the tent going so that the spirit man has a house to stay in to preach Jesus. Go to Isaiah 58, and I want to finish up here. Isaiah 58.1, I want to show you how to fast wrong. I'll first show you how to do it wrong, then I'll show you how to do it right. He says, cry loud, spare not, lift up your voices like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinances of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? So see, they're doing it. So I'm just telling you right now, if you say, oh, listen, I'm into this intermediate fasting and I got this down and I'd like to lose a few pounds and so I like what pastor said, so I'm just going to get me some fasting going and I'm going to say, look how good I am. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're doing it wrong. I'm just telling you, you're doing it wrong. I don't care if you go through. Listen to me. Listen to me. I, I, I watch the foods that I eat. One reason is because foods have things in them that don't jive in my body, okay? I watch certain things. I don't eat them. But I don't eat them because I'm trying to make God happy with me because I didn't eat that. If you're doing that, I don't care if you've got the greatest whole food, unbelievable, I don't care what it's called, the Mediterranean diet, the, this perfect food, this unbleached food, this, that, that, yeah. You can be eating the perfect food, but if your heart's wrong, man, you're still in sin. You're a sinner like the rest of us. Eating ice cream. Now, I don't eat ice cream, but I don't eat ice cream because God told me don't eat ice cream. I eat ice cream because my belly told me don't eat ice cream. Not because it's large, because it just doesn't fit right. Don't work. It just does not jive in my gut. So I don't, I'm not even tempted by ice cream. I used to eat ice cream every night. Does that make me good? No, I just got smart. My stomach hurt, and I didn't want to eat it anymore. Found out that's what it was. I quit. That's just smart. I didn't know about any religious reasoning. See, we Christians, we talk to, like to do these things, and then... Just put a little religious spin on it so then we feel like we've done some kind of work before God. And I'm telling you, you're wrong. Because anytime you're trying to work before God and do works to make God happy, then you have to keep all the law. You're either living by grace or you're living by the law. There's no in-between. So quit trying to do something by works to make God happy. Fall on your face and say, Lord, I'm not going to make at least you save me. What do you want me to do? Bark like a dog? I'll bark like a dog. 
He said, in, the fa- in fact, in the day of fasting you find pleasure and you exploit all your labors. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the fist of the wicked. You'll not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. He said, you're fasting for all the wrong reasons. Fasting to be skinny. It's wrong. Is it wrong to fast or to deny yourself food so that you could be healthy? No. But do it for the right reason. That's just what I'm trying to say here. It's a a slippery slope, isn't it? Because you're going to go in there and you're going to be healthier. You're going to lose weight and you're going to do all this because you need to get yourself in shape. You're doing it right. And then you can just so easily slip over to pride and say, yeah, I used to be... I used to be heavy like you, but I've lost weight, and now I'm not portly. You hear what I'm saying? You'd be better to be fat and right with God than skinny and wrong. I mean, where your arteries are clogged full and you're believing God every moment. And they say, well, that's not right, Pastor. You don't want to go there, that, that extreme. No, but I'm just saying I'd rather have a person like that on their last breath that truly prayed a good prayer <laughs> than the religious person who was all in shape. Because pride's wicked, folks. I have to look at myself. I have to examine myself all the time. I do not want pride in my life. Confidence? Yes, I want confidence in my God. I want to stand on the rock of Jesus and with all the confidence in the world with my sword drawn and saying, Lord, it said by you I can fight against a troop and I can leap over a wall. If you're gone, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. If you're not here, Lord, I'm out. I ain't, ain't going to fight this fight if you're not in it. But if you're in it, let's go. I want confidence. Don't need arrogance. And I certainly don't want to deal with pride. But it all has to do with your heart. The only way you can examine your heart is you have to pull out your soul and torment it to see what's in it. And the only way you can torment it is to deny it what it wants. It's called fasting. Some of y'all got the plainest looks on your face. Preach on something better than this, dear God. I'm just telling you, if you want to be exalted, you've got to be humble. The only way you can humble yourself, humble your soul, is you've got to pray and fast. So look at verse, look at verse 5, Isaiah 58, 5. He says, is it a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul. So here again, it's talking about afflicting the soul. Fasting's for afflicting your soul. It's not for weight loss. But now I want to say it again because I don't want anybody to get all freaked out. And somebody, Listen, if you're fasting for intermediate fasting and you're doing that to get your blood sugars right and all that kind of stuff and the doctors put you on that, great. Glory to God. Deny your body. You're getting somewhere. But don't do it for the wrong reason. He says, in a day for a man to afflict his soul, is it to bow down his head like a bulrush? 
and to spread out sackcloth and ashes. Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Because you see, church, this is where the Holy Ghost wants us as a church to go. He wants us as a church to be a church that has the ability to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke in people's lives. That's what the Lord wants us to do. But it's kind of hard for us to do it when we can't get it done in our own lives. And if I'm going to go on preaching on the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us is that we've got to come to a place right now that we start, un, we start undoing those burdens in our own lives. And the way you're going to do it is by humbling yourself so he can exalt you. And the way you're going to get there is through prayer and fasting. It's a simple step. You just have to do it. Go to verse 7. He says, isn't this a fast? He says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And that you bring your house, bring to your house the poor who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover him and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then delight shall break forth like the morning, and your healing shall spring forth speedily. So, fasting. One element of fasting is just simply denying your body food that it wants. Okay. So I mean, you could have a fast that you're not going to eat a cookie all week. That's that would. Be a type of fasting, okay? But it can also be a type of fasting, what he just said right here, that not only are you denying food, but it says you're bringing your house to the poor, you're sharing your bread with the hungry. In other words, again, you're not consuming it upon yourself. The simplicity of fasting is when it's not for you, it's for somebody else. I've always believed that it's better for a person to live what I call a fasted life. In other words, they just don't ever let their body or their you know, soul have everything it wants. Then it is to just, it's the first of the year and you call a three-week fast and you do a three-week fast of something and then you just live like you want to the rest of the year. I don't believe that's going to be successful. Or somebody calls a fast because they need a deliverance. Well, I mean, it could work in the sense if you get your soul under subjection to God, then you maybe can hear from God what you need to do. But if you're fasting to say, look at me, Lord, I'm fasting for you. You're wrong. It's pride. You're in works. But the fasted life, you got a raise. And so you're all excited. But then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit said, hey, you know, so-and-so needs some money. Once you give somebody to him and you're like, oh, I don't want to do that. Good place to fast. Go do it. Kill your soul. See, so fasting doesn't have to always just be food. But food is a part of fasting. You follow what I'm saying? But it doesn't have to be the only thing. Because he says here, he said, uh, let me read it again. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Uh, and that you bring your house to the poor, uh, your, your, the poor to your house uh, who are cast out. When you see the naked, that you cover them, and you hide yourself, you hide not yourself 
from your own flesh. In other words, you're looking to see what are you doing wrong. Then the light shall break forth as the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. And then you shall call, and the Lord shall answer. You shall cry, and he shall say, Here am I. And if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, the speaking of wickedness. (laughs) How about a fast that you're just not going to say anything ugly that week? I think I'll just do the food. <laughs> yeah, I'll just cut sweets out this week. Yeah, I'll do that. Pointing the finger, that's going to be too difficult. Dang, I'm never going to get that one done. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Fasting is anything. How about just not complaining to the Lord for a week? How about every morning getting up while you're drinking your coffee and having some time with you and your wife sitting there, your family sitting there, and you have some kind of time that you just thank God for everything he's done for you and don't say anything else. When your soul will say, yeah, but Lord, you've done all these things, but right now I really need you. No, just shut up. Fast your tongue. The pointing of the finger, the speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light will dawn as a dark. Uh, your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will guide you. Continue. He'll satisfy your soul in a drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose wa- whose waters do not fail. That's who I want to be. So the only way to do it is you got to get you out of the way, and you is that soul part. Right? And so how do you do it? You fast. Jesus expects it of us that, when we, that we should pray and we should fast. That we should not let our soul rule our lives. We should not be ruled by our emotions. We should not be ruled by our will. We should not be ruled by our intellect. We should be ruled by the Holy Ghost. And this is what we have to learn. So begin to challenge yourself. Okay? Hear this, just begin to challenge yourself. Begin to ask yourself the question, do I have pride? And I can answer it for you, we all do. I don't care who you are, we all do. All right? But then you've got to ask yourself the question, are you going to submit it to God? Are you going to humble yourself before God? Under his mighty hand, so that he can exalt you in due time. Amen? So this is a lesson this week. Next week, I'm going to be going on talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be going on talking about the things of God like that. But I just know that this is where we have to be first. Okay? So I'm not ready right now because, you know, the Bible talks about private fast and corporate fast. And there is a... The, a, a biblical principle to call a corporate fast where I'm calling and saying, look, everyone who's in agreement, we're going to go into it. We're going to call a fast, but I'm not going to do that today because you just got slapped in the face with this and you're going to have to do some own fasting your own self before that can ever happen. But I believe that's a very powerful thing. And I believe in the future we're going to be doing it. Okay. And so I'm not going to call a fast that how many of y'all in here like, uh, 
mint Oreos? Raise your hand. Eh, very few. So that's one of the things that I might call the fast on. No mint Oreos this week or something, you know. Corporate fast. No one can eat a mint Oreo this week. We don't like them anyway, right? So. <laughs> so anyway. But challenge yourself. Question yourself. Amen? So stand to your feet. Can I have my prayer team come down? And everyone out there, listen, you heard this message. If you stayed with me through the whole thing, do not let pride keep you from a relationship with Jesus. Jesus wants you. He wants you to come in, and, and he loves you, and he wants you to come into the kingdom of God and be saved. But you have to repent. Repentance means that you have to say that you're wrong and what you've done is wrong. And if there's pride in you, it'll keep you from doing it. And I'm telling everyone in here, the prayer team is up here, going to be all up here in a minute. And, and if you're in this building and you're not sure that you're right with God and pride's keeping you back, well, please listen and stop it. Beat the pride. Come to the front and pray and make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. Tell pride to shut up that your spirit man rules, not him. If you're out there right now, you're watching, you're sitting there in your home, and maybe you're, maybe you're sitting in there with your spouse or your children or whatever, and you're kind of nervous, and you don't, you don't want to pray, you better stop right now, and you better call out on the name of Jesus. But if you would just reach out and with your spirit and your heart, and you just say, Jesus, I love you. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me of my sin. Wash me in your blood. Make me right with you. I want to, you to be my Lord and Savior. Right there, Jesus will touch you. And so, church, this week you got a deep assignment. You got to go home and you got to start figuring out where pride is. I showed you how to kill it prayer and fasting. So, that's what you got to do. So, I'm going to pray for you, for God to bless you. I'm going to pray for you that, that, that this week, man, man, you're just going to pop on the inside of you and you're going to know. You want it? Amen. Well, Father, right now, I pray for him in Jesus' name. I pray over each and every one of us, Lord God, that this message would sink within our hearts, that no longer would pride rule in our hearts, no longer would pride have, a, have that place in us that, that keeps us from walking with you. Lord, And we would look at ourselves and examine ourselves that if there's any place that we've even been religious, but it's pride. Father, I pray remove that right now in Jesus' name. I declare the devil is defeated. I declare that the spirit of pride is broken. I declare that people today are going to go home and see the errors of our ways, oh God. And that we're going to turn to you through prayer and through fasting. And Lord, you are going to teach us and show us and break open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing on us, Lord, and exalt us in due time. Because, Lord, we just want to be with you. We want to walk with you. So, Lord, we give you praise for it. I thank you for getting our hearts right, getting our hearts right so that we can serve you, Lord, and we praise you for it. So bless them now, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.